Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, how to stay organizationally current. Part one, here we go. telling me, Mark, the other day that one of the skills that separates the successful from eh, the not so successful is their connectedness. And I kind of like raised my eyebrow that kind of yeah, you that did. Spock, yeah, you did. that Spock yeah. eyebrow thing, like connectedness. What are, you, what are you talking about? And then you went on to tell me, you know, do you know what's going on in the company? Do you know where the opportunities are? Exactly. Right? That's what you meant by it. Yeah. And here's the thing. The things that people hear, the stories that people hear about people getting ahead, a focus on intellect, which makes it special and unique and therefore dramatic. Um, they focus on big ideas and, and products or services, which make a difference or the hard work it takes of an entrepreneur to build a firm from nothing to something. But networking, knowing people, even though there certainly have been some books about it and we've recommended some, they're really good. Never Eat Alone, Keith Ferrazzi's book, and there are others, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People and so on. It's not sexy. It's not pretty to say this person knew a lot of people and was in touch. And, and folks, it, we're not suggesting that knowing a lot of people is the end result, but it is the stepping stone to making yourself ready to take advantage of any opportunity. If I told you there are 10 opportunities in your company, you say, gee, I didn't know about any of them. Whereas somebody else says, yeah, I kind of knew there was eight or nine of them. They're out there. Things tend to be warming up right now. It's, you know, it's early to mid 2011 and, and uh, the market's going to get warmer here pretty soon. And you, you thought there weren't any opportunities and people around you were saying there are no opportunities, there are no opportunities. And yet there's some other guy going, no, I think there actually are. Actually, he won't tell you that. He'll just go after them. Well, the reason is because he's connected or she's connected and they know what's happening in various places. We're going to talk about uh, promotion announcements. And, you know, the number of people that have looked at me like I'm an idiot about promotion announcements. Trust me, folks, I don't feel like an idiot very often. So when I say, hey, you ought to be thinking about this and they all look at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, OK, <laughs> maybe they really don't get it. And look. The whole point of promotion announcements is not to feel envy that that person got promoted, but that means there's an opening somewhere. There you go. And, it, and if they're one level above you and they suddenly made that coveted jump to executive life, there's an opening to be filled there. Now, it's certainly possible that the opening's already been filled because when you take somebody out of managerial rank and put them in an executive role – you like to think you've got a managerial backfill for their role, but it's not always true. This cast is not about networking, but let's be clear. There's no, so, no, no such thing as too much networking or in the manager tools vernacular. It, there's not, there's never too much building your network and staying connected to the people. And the key is you have to know about what's happening and then you have to know what questions to ask of whom to make sure that you're availing yourself of all your opportunities. And look, folks, don't kid yourself. The best person doesn't always get the promotion. The person who gets the promotion is the best person who's ready and available. But if you don't apply, if you don't make yourself available, if your boss doesn't forward your name, you may in fact be the best person and never have a shot at it. So professionals who do well 
compared to people who are their peers or contemporaries. And that's always a hard thing to say, all things being equal. Those who do well do do a couple of things internally in their organizations better than the average person. It, it happens over and over and over again. And, and frankly, the engineers and the technical people and the IT people, this frustrates them because they don't have a strong network. And folks, I don't mean that to be negative to IT people. Our first cast was solution to a stalled technical career. If you're a smart person and you care about people, I don't care if you're in IT or software development or engineering or architecture or anything else. I want you, if you're a smart person and you care about people, to get ahead. I want you to have more people working for you. I want you to apply your analytical brain, your rational brain, and your care for people to produce better results by getting more out of the people who work for you. I want you to get ahead. Okay. But when I say less people in the technical realms or in the specialty realms get ahead, Part of it is because their networks aren't serving them well and they're not aware, they're not paying contextual attention to what's going on in the firm. So you've got to pay attention to the things that are available in your firm. And this is going to seem like very boring stuff when we go through it. But this is the kind of basic blocking and tackling in in one's career that makes an enormous difference. Maybe it's not dramatic. Maybe you won't get written about but you will gradually, slowly get ahead. You know, we've said before, good management, and frankly, a lot of times good careers are boring, unsexy, unpretty. They're just achieved by people who dot their I's and cross their T's, develop their relationships, deliver results, uh, stay in touch with people, and then avail themselves of the right opportunities. I'm sorry, you didn't expect that long an answer, did you? <laughs> Are we still this talking is, to me? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this is important. I, I it's so that, what we're going to tell. You, look, there are four recommendations we have, and everybody's going to hear them, and they're going to laugh at them. And I kind of like it because there's going to be a couple of people, probably younger, who are looking for an opportunity to distinguish themselves. We're going to, okay, I can do that. It may be boring, but Mike and Mark say it's okay, so I'm going to do it, and and I'm going to, you know, may, maybe. I'll get lucky and the right opportunity will will come right in front of me. And it would not have come had I not been managing my own career as opposed to letting the company do it. Four things. First of all, folks, you got to read the internet. Your company has an internet probably if it's bigger than small, if it's medium or large size, and there's all kinds of stuff on there and you need to pay attention. If one division is constantly producing new stuff and new products and new services, that's probably where the opportunities are. Uh, the second thing is, I know you delete them left and right all the time, but you've got to start reading all the all hands emails that you get. Now, it's certainly smart to put them in a separate folder called all hands or CC mails, um, because if it's not to you specifically, uh, as opposed to you just being a part of a distro, then it ought to go in a special mail. But you can read that at the end of the day. It doesn't require urgent action, but it does require you to know what's going on. It requires you to build some background knowledge. And we already alluded to this. You need to read the promotion announcements. Where are the openings? Who's getting promoted? If you read five promotion announcements at your firm and you recognize you're nothing like any of those five people, that ought to raise your eyebrows a little bit. You ought to say, hmm, maybe this is in the right place for me, or maybe I need to change my behavior somewhat. And then the last point is we want to tie all that together. We're going to make some recommendations about using this framework of information, this, this information as a framework for thinking about your career. That's the four. Good. Okay. So <laughs> I, I imagine there's some folks in our audience when you said, yeah, I just, just read the, the internet. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, I know. Hey, cool. I how, know. How, how good. Now he said intranet, not internet. So. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. In fact, I know someone whose wife said to me recently in a very veiled 
sort of slam on her husband. He said, yeah, he's pre- she said pretty soon he's going to get to the end of the internet. <laughs> like, ouch. Oh, wow. Yeah. If only they weren't creating a billion new pages every day, right? Yeah, the internet, the company internet. And the fact is the vast majority of mid to large size firms today have a pretty healthy internet. They're ubiquitous. Well, look, we're not going to say, folks, that they're always well-structured. We're not going to always say – we're not going to say they're always useful or that they're always helpful. We know how frustrating it is to be told by finance or accounting or HR or legal that, quote, the form is on the internet, unquote, and then you spend hours searching for it in order to get an expense reimbursed if you went to cost accounting or, or, or uh, um, accounting. It's frustrating if it has one, and if it doesn't, your company is going to end up with one at some point or another because it's about efficient communications throughout the entire organization. It's not effective to let everybody know through an intranet because intranet is about broadcasting information. Broadcasting is inherently not about the listener. It's about the speaker, which is bad. Someday I'm going to quote, I'm going to be quoted as saying broadcasting is not communication. It's just uttering to a large number of people. But intranets are coming to you if you don't already have one. And if you have one, there's all kinds of stuff there. And yeah, a lot of it's boring. And fortunately, a great time to read boring stuff is at the end of the day, which is when you should be reading your CC emails anyway. Okay. And by the way, for those of you who are thinking, gosh, I I wonder what it was like before uh, the intranet. Well, before there were shared drives. And before that, there were literally notice boards and everybody had to go by HR or finance or the union steward's office every day. In fact, I read an article about a union steward in Ohio, just outside of Cleveland, um, southwest of Cleveland. And this union steward said, the internet's been a problem for me. The internet's been a problem for me because it used to be all the stuff. I made sure all the postings were posted outside my office because, of course, that affected the labor of the, of the firm and I was responsible for them. And now, it's all on the internet and it comes right to their kiosks, it comes right to their desk, right to their cube every day. And they don't have to come by and see me. I thought it was a very insightful comment and also worrisome, of course, for him. Um, and then at the end of the article, he says, I guess, I, gotta, I guess I'll have to get off my butt and get out of my chair and go talk to people. And you think, wow, okay, there's a good <laughs> lesson there. Now, we say internet. And then I mentioned notice boards and stuff like that. Folks, if your company doesn't have an internet, they have some non-technologically advanced equivalent of it, even if it is a notice board or a shared drive. And you need to go access those things where company, corporate, public, or semi-public, internally public information is posted. And you just need to scan through it. You're not reading for every single nuance. You're not. But you want to be aware of the things that the company wants you to be aware of. The company communicates broadly in broadcast form, if you will, for a reason. Once there's more than one person in the company, you've got to have communication. When it's two people, the message has to get from one person to another, and that's not terribly hard. But once there's more than two people, it starts getting exponentially harder to communicate. Look, even even at manager tools, right? We have moments when Mike has communicated something to Maggie, but not to me or not to Wendy. Or Wendy and Maggie are clear on something, but they've forgotten to tell me or Mike something. One to many, the whole idea of broadcast communications, is the only way that your company, the organization of the company, if you will, can communicate with all the workforce all at once 
and ensure that everyone has at least been given roughly the same information. Now, before all the broadcast stuff existed, there were, there were notice boards. That's a pretty low tech answer. But believe me, one of the things that technology has done, folks, is reduce the, the robustness of what we call waterfall communications, which is if Mike is the CEO and I'm a VP and Maggie works for me as a director, the way Mike would get something to Maggie is rather than sending a letter to everybody 50 years ago, he would communicate to me and he would expect me to communicate that to Maggie and then add credibility to it by saying, here's what this means for us, you and I, Maggie. But once you have technology, you can reach everybody, and that reduces the uncertainty that happens as communication is filtered through people, and um, you want everybody to get the same, mes- same message, same information. Now, look, everybody's going to interpret it differently, but that's a whole different problem than everybody getting the different information, right? right? If there were a better way to do this, I would argue that we would have found it, and as it is, we've basically electronicified, which is Wendy made up that word. Electronicified. Uh, okay. we, we, we basically said, we need to broadcast. We used to put it up on notice boards or posters or on the cork board outside of HR or, or the labor office or, or uh, the, union steward, the union shop stewards or whatever. And now we, we can send everybody an email or we can send out a flash message that it, once you log into your, your screen name, it immediately says, you have 17 messages from the company. And of course, 95% of you listening to me just go, no, I'm not going to read them. And you miss opportunities. The downside to all of this, of course, is the problem with one-to-many, one-to-many communications, again, broadcasting, is that the many don't consider the communication for them. And so we ignore it because we already have too damn much communication as it is, right? Yeah. I mean, how targeted to me can it be? I mean, it's gone to yeah. 10,000 people. Yeah. And then people say later, God, this company's getting so much bigger. I don't know what the heck's going on. And, and you know, some VP, some VP of communications, some VP of HR, some VP of sales is like, my guys are killing me this week. You're killing me, Smalls. I, I, <laughs> I put out these notes. You guys say you want to know what's going on. I put out these notes and you click right through them. It's like, geez, do I have to come down and spoon feed you? And you know, you know what the salespeople would say? Yes, please spoon feed me. Translate everything into language that makes sense only for me and take all your time to do nothing but waterfall everything to each individual in your organization. Total waste of time. Look, whether your company is communicating with 10 people or 10,000 people, what we say is still true. Communication is what the listener does. And if you're not reading it, the communication isn't happening. And taking the approach that, quote, that doesn't apply to me, unquote, is ineffective. It may be efficient, but it's ineffective in terms of you knowing about what's going on in your firm. You don't have to study it, but you have to know it at a high level. And that means reading this stuff. And look, we know there are people right now going, yeah, Mark, I don't need to do that. Like, I don't really need to do that because if it was really important, I'd hear about it. Okay, that might be true. But what about the one case where it wasn't and your bonus depended upon it or your promotion that you wanted, the one slot that was going to come open was in a division you weren't really that knowledgeable about, but your bosses said you need to broaden yourself and now there's an opening in another division, but because you didn't read about the opening, you're not going to apply for it or you apply at the last minute and you don't have time to prepare and they legitimately say no to you, even though they think you're a fabulous guy, please promote, please apply again next year, only next year, the opening is not with them. And, of course, then the the effort you made to try to get in at the last minute doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So, information that is 
unlikely to be important enough for you to hear about probably won't get to you or you can filter it naturally when you're reading this stuff. And look, if you want a new role somewhere else, you need to know about the new roles that are coming open. And that means paying attention. And, and folks, you might be thinking, I don't know. Is this a good plan? Right? This is five or 10 minutes a day when you're already brain dead at the end of the day. You just click through the mails, you read the internet stuff, you go and take a look at the product announcements, so on, just get a rough idea. And that way, if once a month you go to a cocktail party and now you meet somebody in the uh, EMEA division where they do Europe and Middle East and Asia, and somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm uh, Rob, I'm from EMEA, and you say, hey, I just read about this new thing. And Rob goes, really? He says, yeah, I just read you guys are doing something X. He says, yeah, that was actually my thing. Oh, cool, tell me about it. And now, Rob feels good talking to you. And then you discover, holy crap, Rob's a VP and yeah. you're only a manager. Not a bad thing at all. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've heard over the years, you know, um, complaints or yeah. griping from from friends yeah. of mine or folks I know who they they say, well, I, and I go to these these cocktail parties or whatever. When I was at mobile, there's a little bit more formal than some other companies I've been in, but they complain they didn't they didn't know what to talk about. <laughs> right. It's like, well <laughs> just yeah, this, this is what you do. This is how you become informed about what's going on in the company so that when you have an opportunity to chat somebody up, you have something to talk about that might lead to some pretty yeah, interesting conversations. I think, I think, you know what? You're totally right. I've heard that a thousand times. And in my head just now, I formed Horseman's Law of Cynical Career Management. <laughs> okay, and here I can't it is. Wait to this one. Folks, you want it to be easy, but it freaking isn't. And you complaining about it not being easy doesn't make it easy. You have to do these things, okay? But they're interstitial things. They only take five or 10 minutes. It means learning how to introduce yourself. It means having your resume current. It means knowing that when somebody says they're an EMEA in product development, you know about a product that just rolled out over there. And no, if, you've, if you're at a $50 billion company, you don't have to know about every new product rollout. But if you bathe very lightly in a whole bunch of stuff over the course of weeks or months or so on, you're going to get a sense of what divisions are doing better and which ones aren't. And frankly, to the people who don't know any of this stuff, you're going to be thought of a genius. They're going to think you're connected because you know what's going on. Horseman's Law of Cynical Career Management. Folks, you want it to be easy, but it ain't freaking easy. <laughs> And the easy things, the ones where some guy meets some person at an industry conference and they hit it off and he hires him a job for twice the pay he's making now, the reason those get written about in Fortune and Business Week and, and Time Magazine and so on, uh, the reason Facebook gets pressed for Mark Zuckerberg's great idea and it turns into a great movie, that's because those are dramatic. But the vast majority of things that happen day to day in the professional life of the world are not dramatic. Uh, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, the tortoise always beats the hare. Not, not always. The tortoise beats the hare, but the hare gets all the press. And there is joy and success in being the tortoise. And if you're smart and you engage in tortoise-like behaviors, you're going to outperform a hare and all the other tortoises as well. Okay, so we covered the easy stuff, reading the intranet. Okay, how, how hard can it be to spend five or ten minutes a day while you're drinking coffee? just to browse what's going yeah, on. Yeah, in internet. between things, right? At the end of the day or in between things, right? You're waiting for a meeting to start. Or you just came back and you put everything down in your desk. You just take 10 minutes and you just go through that stuff. Smart. If you're smart, you'll do what we've told you to do and put all those mails that come to you with uh, broadcast. If it's distro X or whatever, or all hands or whatever, you put it in a separate folder called all hands or distros and you only read those once at the end of the day. Thanks, everyone. That's it. 
Hope you enjoyed it. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.